Welcome to Equip This Church, Denise. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live at our city campus. For more information, check out equipthischurch.com. Well, good morning, everybody. You can just remain standing, if you would, just for a second, and we'll pray. Good to see you all. You say good to see me too. That's, where you, that's the appropriate response. Uh, it's only a few months ago I was here, so it's actually really nice to be back. If Willie ever rings me and says, hey, can you come? I'm always going to say yes. Uh, number one, they're great friends of ours. And number two, this is a great church. And uh, so it's always good to be here. But uh, how about just lift in your hands, if you would, for a moment, just before we open God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for your amazing presence. We don't take it for granted this morning. That, Lord, when we stepped into the room, into this building, this auditorium, that, Lord, your presence is here. Father, whether we can feel it or whether we just know it by faith, Father, we declare that right now, Lord, we are ready for everything you have for us right now. Father, we just uh, put our attention and our focus on you this morning. We remove every distraction, anything that would draw us away from hearing What you have to say to us this morning, Jesus, we remove it right now. And we just say, anointing, would you come? Father, would you anoint us to receive it, that it would be your word? Father, would you anoint us to receive it, that it would actually change our hearts? Not just inspire us for a moment, but change us, change our perspective. And we just pray that this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Give God a big shout if you would. And you can grab a seat as you do that. Fantastic. Well, well done, worship team. Thank you, Hannah. Wasn't that good this morning? Lord, you are. Because uh, what an amazing declaration of truth. Well, if you don't know me, because uh, what an amazing declaration of truth. If you don't know me, my name's Mark. And as Willie said, I have the privilege of leading uh, Equipus Church uh, back home in the UK um, with my wife, Monica. And uh, don't get to travel very often with her. We've got four children. Uh, But on this occasion, uh, we've got some amazing friends who've moved into our house to look after our kids. And so Monica is here as well. Um, She's preaching in Auckland today. And uh, great to have our equipment time in nearly three years. So it's a long, the first time in nearly three years. And a long time not to see everyone. So really looking forward to that. And um, I send Dan Zeltner's apologies on his behalf. Uh, he, he texted me and he said, oh, it just shows you uh, I shouldn't have been that busy. And I said, no, it just shows you you shouldn't have been that disorganized. <laughs> anyway, we're friends. We know each other a long time. Okay, we're going to go to the Word this morning. If you've got a, a Bible, please open it at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 15. And I want to talk to you this morning. Um, and I want to do more than talk to you. I, I, I pray that God would really um, bring an impartation this morning um, in the whole area of hope. Everyone say hope. Hope. Um, and um, let me read this verse to you and then um, we'll go from there. But Romans 15 verse 13 says this. The Apostle Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again to you one more time because it's so important. I pray that God, the source of hope, everyone say the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. 
then you will overflow with confidence. You, I love that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, I love that verse, and um, I, I'm not a New Zealander, I'm not from New Zealand, um, and I can really only speak from the context of back home, but I believe that what I'm going to say is relevant to here, but I really am carrying a burden in my heart right now, because I believe people are looking for hope uh, in, a, in a way perhaps that I've never experienced it before. I believe right now people are hungry and are desperate for hope, and they don't know where to, they don't know where to go. I was driving home um, uh, maybe a month ago. I'd been uh, to see some cricket uh, with my, my boys, and um, we were driving home quite late, and I put on the sports uh, radio channel, which is just normally all sport, but it was kind of a late-night call-in. And it was about 11.30 at night, and this, this lady um, started to express... Uh, what was happening in her life, and it was one of those shocking phone calls that really grabbed a hold of me. It was like, man, this is how people are living, and it was an an elderly lady who um, had been given a terminal diagnosis, and she has to take her pills for the rest of her life before the, the, whatever it was, she didn't say what the diagnosis was, but before it took her life, and right now in the UK, we have a bit of a cost of living crisis, uh, probably my, many places in the world, our inflation, uh, I think, is about 11% right now. Our interest rates are rising like crazy. Our utility bills are through the roof. And people are genuinely concerned. They're genuinely worried about how are they going to pay their bills. And this lady was calling in, and my, I, uh, here's what she said to the radio presenter. Um, she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. She said, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, she said, um, I don't need your sympathy. I just need someone to tell me what to do. And you could hear it was a genuine cry of a person facing the challenges of what the world was throwing at her, having no clue whatsoever how to navigate it. And, 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 she, and then she went on to say, to tell you the truth, I feel like taking the pills that are in front of me and finishing them all in one go and just finishing it. This is on national radio going out to millions of people. This lady is bearing her soul, and it was almost like, for me, a, 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 little, a little glimpse. Sometimes, you know, if you're a Christian, and you spend a lot of your time in church, and a lot of the time with uh, other believers, um, sometimes we can get a little isolated from what people are going through, and it was like a message to say, man, there are people right now in the world, and they are hopeless. They are hopeless. And yet you and I, if we're born again here today, not only have a little bit of hope, we have the source of hope actually dwelling on the inside of us. When you got born again and God made His home within you, you now carry with you the source of hope wherever you go. That's amazing, isn't it? And so not only does the Scripture say that you and I get to be filled with hope, and abound with joy and with peace, but God wants to fill us to a place of hope where there's so much going on in our life that it starts to spill out into the lives of others, and they find hope too. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I was taking a wedding uh, for one of our uh, staff members, and um, it was a a great wedding. Uh, It was a a Christian wedding, obviously, and um, we were in um, this kind of quite fancy, old, stately home kind of a venue, 
and uh, kind of think, you know, um, Downton Abbey kind of thing, but not quite as big. And it was pretty, it was kind of pretty fancy, and it was, you know, and it was like, you know, you kind of didn't feel that comfortable in it because it's not our usual environment. But um, anyway, we did this wedding, and um, we had some praise and worship and, and, and some prayers, and uh, then I took the service, and then a little message, and then we prayed for them again. And at the end of the service, um, a lady called Ellie, who was in her late 20s, um, who was the organizer of the weddings, and that was amazing. Um, she just kind of mentioned to me as she went out, she said, man, that was amazing. She said, I felt really emotional during that service. She said, most of our services, you know, people just come in, it's a registrar, there's no singing, there's no prayers, there's no God part, um, and she said, they're very clinical, and they just happen. She said, but, she said, you guys really believe that this new married couple have God right in the middle of it, and then they're going to be with them forever, and she was touched. And anyway, the day went on, and I didn't get a chance to talk to her much more at that point. But later in the day, at the evening, I was talking to the photographer, who was a Christian as well. And, um, and this, we got chatting to this events organizer again, and, and, and she started to talk again. She said, you know, every wedding, she said, there's someone who's obnoxious or, or, or just really annoying, you know, you want to get away from. She said, but every single person in this wedding has been amazing. She said, man, you guys, she really did say, you, you guys are different. She said, you guys are different. And then I was able to just say to her, you know, whenever you felt emotional, that wasn't because we had ordered the service really well. You felt emotional because God was trying to let you know through your emotions that he was present and he, wanted to, he wants to talk to you. And she said, well, I want to know more. And, and, and we just had a few moments, two, three minutes, with just the opportunity just to share about who God is. But here's what I love. I love the fact that she came into an environment that was so filled with hope that she said, I don't know what it is, but I like it. And I want to know more about it. I've discovered this. I've discovered that hope has got a scent. Hope, you can smell hope. Not literally, but you can walk into an environment and you can know whether it's hopeful or whether it's hopeless. You can walk into somebody's family life and go, you can work it out very quickly. You can tell, is there hope here or is it hopeless? And I want to clear equip us Dunedin that this is a house of hope. This is a house of hope. And if ever the world needed hope, I really believe it's now. We've been through a tough time. We're coming out of a tough time, but let me just tell you, you know, we're kind of six months ahead maybe in the UK in terms of coming out of the pandemic. People have come out of the pandemic, and here's what they've discovered. They've discovered that they're still hopeless. They've discovered that, okay, we're not locked down anymore, and we've got freedoms again, but they've discovered that a lot of stuff has been stolen from them. They found that they're filled with anxiety. They're filled with worry. They're filled with fear. They found themselves in a financial crisis that threatens to take away a lot of their money, their income, their future. And so no matter what season we're in, people need hope. We can't live without hope. We're not designed to live without hope. And my prayer is that this morning the Holy Spirit would impart hope into you, but not just for you, but that you would abound in hope 
so that when you go and take your kids to school tomorrow, or you go into your office tomorrow, or you go into a university lecture tomorrow, or you go to work or whatever you do, that you, you're not just hopeful, but you have an abounding hope that means people who come into your environment would be incredibly inspired. Come on, if you believe that this morning, would you say amen? Let me give you a couple of definitions of hope this morning that I think are helpful. Um, the first one is this. Um, a hope is a serene and a serene expectation of good. A serene, confident expectation that something good is going to happen. Uh, serene just simply means to be calm, relaxed. Like when you're full of hope, you're, you're, not, you're not freaking out all the time. You're not jumping from one thing to the other. Uh, when you have hope, there is a calmness on the inside of you that says, no matter what life looks like all around me, I know something good is about to happen. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? I know something good is about to happen. And it's not because of your ability, and it's not because of your good looks, and it's not because of where you get to live in the world. It's because of a person called Jesus, who when he went to the cross, rose again, gave the ultimate sacrifice that meant everything we will ever need in this lifetime and eternity to come has already been provided for. That's why we have hope. We have hope not because, man, we're so smart or we're so intelligent or because the economy is doing better or because we get to live in a great nation. We have hope because of Jesus. So hope is calm. Hope's not freaking out. Hope's just got that serene, confident, walk through life, something good is about to happen. Amen. Uh, here's another little definition of hope. Hope is the belief that my tomorrow will be better than my today. Hope is, hope is the belief tomorrow is going to be better than today. Why? Because of God. I don't know if you know this, but God is good. Did anybody know that God is good? Like God is, God is not just a little bit good, uh, God is unbelievably good. He is unbelievably kind, He is unbelievably loving, He is unbelievably generous, and His desire is that your life would go from glory to glory, Hebrews tells us. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at, He wants to take you to a place of glory. That's good, isn't it? Like glory is the opposite of shame. If shame is like locked away, hopefully no one will ever see me. Glory is like, man, here I am uh, to the world. God, God wants to take you from wherever you're at and bring you to a place of glory. And if that's the case, then we can be confident that what's coming tomorrow is going to be better than today. That doesn't mean we won't go through trials. That doesn't mean we won't have to endure through some difficult situations. It just means that good things are on the way. Are you with me? Here's, here's the, what the Greek word means. I can't really pronounce it. I don't, you know, it's on the screen. I think it is. Uh, it's that word there. You can have a go at it, whatever it is. Uh, but it literally means this, the favorable and the confident expectation or the happy anticipation of good. The happy anticipation of good. I like that. Christians ought to be happy. Someone religious in the room says we're meant to be joyful, not happy. Yes, we are, yes, we are filled with joy, but we can also be happy. We can also laugh and enjoy ourselves. And my hope is that is the happy expectation that it's going to be good. 
See, see, right now, in this, and if I was to show you some of my utility bills back home, if I was to, sh- if I, I'm not joking you, they are, my electric bill alone is closing in on $1,000 a month, and I live in a cold house. It's not like I'm living in a baking warm house. If I was to show you the, the, the rise of what is happening, uh, if I was to show what's happening uh, and interest rates or mortgage rates, if I was to show you what's happening, uh, and if we didn't have God, I'd be freaking out too. I'd be freaking out too. I'd be like, oh my goodness, how am I going to live? How am I going to pay the bills? How's it going to happen? But because I've got hope on the inside of me, and God is a God of hope, and He's promised to take care of me, I can, I can kind of, with happy laughter, look at the future and just know it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be better than okay. Something good is about to happen in my life. Amen? Let me, okay, let me show you this. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 says this. Uh, These three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. So, so there are three abiding um, attributes to the Christian faith that we will never lose. You know, how many have you know in life, things come and go, don't they? Fads come and go. New things happen, then they go, last for a while, something new comes in. Um, but the Bible says when it comes to our, our faith in Jesus, there are three attributes that will never change. Faith, love, and hope. So, so each of those attributes has really got a characteristic to go with them. So what about faith? Well, the, the characteristic of faith is always action or works. So you can't have faith unless there's a corresponding action or work that goes with it. Uh, if you're believing to buy a house, and you say, I'm in faith to buy a house, what's the corresponding action that goes with it? You get on those websites, you start looking at houses, you get your mortgage in, 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 in order, you start looking, you start preparing, you say, I believe I'm going to buy a house, and there's an action that goes with it. Amen? Yeah. A couple of weeks back home in, 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 in Surrey, um, uh, we've had a, a wonderful problem, which is a packed full Sunday morning service, and so um, we've gone to two morning services, and, and the reason is we wanted to create space for people to come. If I had said, I'm in faith that this church is going to grow, but didn't create any space, there's no faith. So, so the deed was, the action was, more work on a Sunday. <laughs> Get up earlier and finish later. That was the action. So, so faith always has a corresponding action, or it's not faith at all. What about love? Love has a characteristic. The characteristic of love is really always servanthood on behalf of another. Love has always uh, got some kind of work or labor associated with it on behalf of another person. Love is not a cliche. Love is not just a feeling. Love is sometimes rolling your sleeves up and getting to work on behalf of another whether you feel like it or not. If you're a parent in the room, give me a wave. Well, how many of you know if you're a parent, you don't just say you love your kids and then leave them to their own devices? Sunday and out, we got four kids. Sunday night and out, house often looks like coming home from Sunday night church. And 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 uh, I would like to say us as parents, but it's not. It's my wife. I'm desperately trying to make sure the uniforms are ready for the morning. Bus ready is ready for the morning. Uh, pack lunches are ready for the morning. Uh, you don't say you you love someone, but you don't labor on their behalf. 
Come on, if we're married, you don't say you love your partner, but there's no labor on their behalf. Amen? You don't say you, don't say you love this church unless there's some labor to her. Amen? Love is not a cliche. Love is not just a feeling. Love involves some hard, gritty work when you don't feel like it. Oh, there's a few people excited this morning. Some people thought they were in love, and now they realize they're not. I'm just joking. What about hope, though? We, don't, we sometimes don't talk about hope because I want to say this. Hope is not um, an appendage to your faith. Hope is not a, a, an add-on, a bolt-on to your faith. faith uh, hope is a core part of our salvation. Uh, it's, you know, it's like this. The other day I was driving home. I was on the motorway, and I was coming home, called into a service station, decided that I would get uh, a little bit of cheeky takeaway uh, on my drive home. And uh, how many of you have ever been to like, you know, uh, I'm sure you've got the same here, but you know, you go to KFC or wherever, and you order your meal, and then, then you think you're finished, and then right at the end they say, but for just 99 cents, or, or just 199, you can add 10 hot wings in, or you can add in extra, extra strips. Uh, that's called not part of the main meal, that's the addition you go for afterwards. Pretty tempting, isn't it? And sometimes I think when it comes to hope in our faith, uh, sometimes we think like, you know, f- like Christianity is it's salvation, and, and, it, and it is, and it's faith, and it is, and it's love, and it is. And it's if I feel hopeful as well, that's a blessed extra. But I want to say hope is not an appendage or an addition to your faith. Hope is central to our faith. It's a core part. And here's what the attribute or the characteristic of hope is according to God's Word. Are you ready? Thank you, William Desiree. Are you ready? You ready for the... the, It's on the screen probably already, so that's why you're not saying ready. I know. It's steadfastness. It's hopefulness. It's steadfastness, perseverance, endurance, not going anywhere. Just give your neighbor a little shake for a moment and just say, come on, are you, are you steadfast this morning? You know you're carrying hope when you are steadfast in your faith, when you are steadfast in what God has called you to do. Imagine a ship dropping an anchor in an ocean. The storm comes. The waves come. The ship doesn't automatically get taken out of the storm. But when the anchor goes down, the storm comes, but you don't go anywhere. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It says, this hope, this confident assurance we have is an anchor of the soul. So you and I need to have hope in our lives. So we have an anchor that means when storms come, we're not going anywhere. Come on, I've discovered when people haven't got hope and the storm comes, they get washed out really quickly. (laughs) When you haven't got hope and the storm comes and it is coming and it's been and it'll come again, if you haven't got hope, I'm telling you, you're going to get washed all over the place. But when you got hope, I like the way the Amplified puts it. It says it cannot slip. It cannot break down under whatever pressure comes upon it. It is a safe and steadfast hope that allows us to enter the veil. In other words, when you have hope, no matter how bad the storm comes, when you drop that anchor, it says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. It's tough right now. I'm not going anywhere. I've still got hope. 
I've still, it's going to, what's, what's hope? Hope's tomorrow's going to be better than my today. Okay, sickness comes along, I drop the anchor of hope. It's not good today, but it's going to be better tomorrow because God is good. I'm going through a tough time right now. Man, I feel like the waves are bashing me. Yes, they are, but I'm dropping the anchor of hope. It's going to hold me. It's going to get better tomorrow because God is here. Because God is here, amen. And at the end of this year, uh, Monica and I will have been in full-time ministry for 19 years, which is a crazy thought. And I can tell you there's one and one reason only that I'm still here nearly 20 years later. When people are leaving the ministry left, right, and center, when people are giving up at a rate that's accelerating around the world, there's one reason and there's one reason only that I'm still here, is somehow by the grace of God, I've just always had hope. It's bad right now, God, but I got hope. It's tough right now, God, but I've got hope. It's not easy right now, God, but I've got hope it's going to get better. I've got hope I'm coming out the other side. I've got hope one day, Jesus, you're returning. I've got hope one day that this is only a little while on the earth, and then one day we're going to reside with Jesus in eternity forever and ever and ever. Amen. And so when life comes and it batters you, and life does batter us sometimes, we need hope. We need hope in our lives. Let me me give you this morning, just in the short time I've got, three reasons why you need hope. Three reasons why you need hope with fresh hope in this day. And I really believe that God wants to fill some people with fresh hope in this room this morning. If you say, I, that's me, I, I want it, say amen. Number one, number one, um, three reasons why we need hope. Uh, the first one is this. Uh, Dr. Michael Maiden, who a great friend of Equippers, he makes this statement, and I believe it's completely true. He says this, when hope walks out, depression walks in. When hope walks out, depression walks in. Why do you and I need hope? We need hope in our hearts because if we don't have hope in our hearts, if we have hopelessness in any area of our lives, we actually expose ourselves to the opportunity for anxiety, for fear, for worry, and ultimately for depression to come and grab a hold of our hearts. And I don't know whether you know this or not right now, but we live in a world that is battling depression. We live in a world, maybe you're not, praise God, but I bet you you know somebody who is. We, we live in a world where young people are living with depression like never seen before. In fact, in 2020, the World Health Organization did a survey on how many people in the world were clinically depressed. So this is not people who are feeling a little depression. These are clinically depressed people. And they, they estimated that around about 350 million people in the world were clinically depressed at any one moment. That's, that's, that's clinical depression. So you can imagine multiplied up how many times that is with people who are expressing, experiencing depression, but they're not necessarily going to anyone and telling anybody. Many, many, many people. This was pre-pandemic. Uh, fast forward, and it is estimated that an absolute minimum depression in the world has increased by at least 25 to 30%. 25 to 30%. I mean, you guys know perhaps better than anybody else, suicide rates among young people are higher than they have ever seen them before. 
What is that? That's when a young person, or any person for that matter, comes to a point in their lives, and here's what they say. They say, when they look at their lives, when they look at whatever's going on, they look at it, and their mind says this, it's never going to get any better. My marriage is never going to get any better. My health is never going to get any better. My, anxi- my anxiety is never going to get any better. The shame, the rejection I feel is never going to get any better. How sad is that? The people buy into that lie that it's never going to get any, ever, ever going to get better. And at that point, when hopelessness starts to leave their lives, you this morning, um, fight for hope. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, um, fight for hope. Fight for hope just because the enemy tries to tell you, yeah, yeah, you're feeling down. You're, you're feeling not good right now. Don't settle for it. Don't buy in for it. Uh, we have the God of all hope. Remember what Romans says? He wants to fill you with so much joy and so much peace that not only would you be of hope for your own life, but you would abound and overflow with hope for other people too. Come on, that's who we're called because when we don't have it, we open ourselves to the enemy. Hope, because when we don't have it, we open the important for us to re- the enemy. Here, here's the second thing uh, that I think is pretty, there is an end realizes why do we need hope, is we need to understand if there is any area in our lives for which we do not have hope, it's because we have embraced a lie. If there is any area in our lives where we do not have hope, it is because we have embraced never going to get any better. What is hopelessness? Hopelessness is to think it's never going to get any better. Right now, if there's any part of your life, any part of my life, that I, that I look at it and I think to myself, that's the way it's always going to be. It's never going to get better. I'm never going to improve in that area. I'm never going to find freedom in that area. That is called a lie and we know who the father of lies is. It's our enemy. As Pastor Will said at the start of this service, he said, the battles we fight, oh no, he tried to say anyway, the battles we fight, <laughs> he said, it's not flesh and blood, it is principalities and powers. And what did they do? They lie to us. They lie to us. They tell us it's never going to get better. They tell us it's always going to be this way. They tell us it's only going to get worse. They tell us, they tell us, they tell us. And here's the problem. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. I'll say that again. When you believe a lie, when you buy into a lie, you empower the liar. The liar is the enemy. So here's the problem. If you believe, man, I'm always going to be sick. I've always been sick. I'll always be sick. I'm never going to get better. Guess what? You empower the person who brought the lie in the first place. And guess what? You will always be sick. If you say, man, my family has always been poor. Always been poor. Never can hold down a job. Never can get a break. Uh, Never made it through anything. Never finished anything. If you go through life and you believe the liar that is the enemy, you empower him over your life. And guess what? You'll just continue to do what everyone else and your family has always done. In my family, let me open up the doors of my life a little bit. In my family, here's what we've said in my family for years. We've said in my family, collards don't sleep well. Collards don't sleep well. No one sleeps well. You know, generations, oh yeah, my, yeah, mum yeah, didn't sleep well. Grandmother didn't sleep well. <laughs> 
siblings. Don't, and, and, and here's what we do. We encourage one another with a lie. Oh, really? You too? Yeah, me too. We rejoice in the fact that there's other people in our misery. Oh, you're up at three in the clock in the morning too. Me too. We should hang out. <laughs> and we encourage each other in the lie that we've bought into. And do you know what I've had to do? I've had to come to a point in my own life, not just for my, my sake, but for the sake of my children, where I've had to say, but at any, we may have some problems with sleeping traditionally in our family, but it ends with me. It ends with my family. That is a lie from the enemy, because the Word of God says they'll have sweet sleep to those he loves, that they lie down. They'll have sweet sleep, by the way, not restless sleep or anxious sleep, sweet sleep. And so I've had to say, you know what? That's a lie from the enemy. I refuse to receive it. When I do buy into it, I feel incredibly hopeless. But when I choose what God's Word says, guess what? Hopes. I actually love what Chris Valentin says. Chris Valentin. Amen. I actually love what Chris Valentin says. Chris Valentin says this, if you're feeling hopeless, you don't need to put your hand up right now, but I'm speaking to you. If you feel hopeless this morning, you need to go home and you need to identify the lie that you've believed. You need to identify the lie. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is here to help us. Amen? Holy Spirit wants to set us free, but sometimes He makes you and I do a little bit of homework. Sometimes He makes us fight for it a little bit. Because it's good for us to dig in and go after something. You say, Holy Spirit, show me the lie I've believed. I've be- clearly, I've believed a lie somewhere because I'm feeling hopeless in that area of my life. And when you find out where you have believed a lie, you disempower the lie. You reject it. You repent to God from ever allowing it to have it a place in your heart. But you don't stop there. You then go to God's Word and you say, God, I want to embrace the truth now. What's the truth? And when you start, it's going to happen. Face the truth of what God has for you. Here's what's going to happen. Hopefulness is going to start to return. Hopefulness is going to start to return when you start to embrace the truth. Okay, man, I've got some, I've got some struggles. I've got some anxiety. You're not an anxious person. Don't believe the lie. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, a spirit of anxiety. He's given you a spirit of peacefulness and a sound mind, which means you have the ability to to work out which thought is of God, which thought is not of God, reject the one that's not of God, embrace the one that is of God, and hope starts to rise. Can I get an amen? And I could look at this, this horrible situation back home and I could say, man, I'm freaking out. How am I going to financially make it through? How is it going to affect my life? But I refuse to believe the lie because the truth is, is that God is my provider. And he has promised me that he'll take care of me if I put him first. Well, I know that I'm putting him first, and therefore I can walk through this season and say, well, you might all be freaking out, but I am not freaking out. I am hopeful because God said he's going to take care of me. Someone here needs to believe that this morning. God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. I already believe that prophetically this morning. For someone here right now, you walked in here and felt alone. Listen, you're not alone. God wants to take care of you. I'm a dad. I've got four kids. Care of them. Take care of them. Every part of my being wants to take care of them. 
You know that too. There's no part of you that doesn't want to step in and take care of your kids. Well, do you know God is exactly the same? He wants to take care of you. And when you know God wants to take care of you, of your body, of your emotions, of your relationships, of your finances, of your destiny, of your purpose, of where you're going to live, of who you're going to marry, of what life is going to look like. Do you know when you start to believe that, oh my goodness, hope starts to rise again. Because if God's going to take care of me, He's going to do it better than if I take care of myself. And if that's the truth, then I know my tomorrow is going to be better than my today, and that good things are about to come because I have a God who loves me. Come on, if you believe that this morning, would you say amen? Here's the third and final thing uh, that I wanted to share with you. The reason uh, we need hope is this. is Number three is uh, if you don't have hope, your faith doesn't work. If you don't have hope, your faith doesn't work. Here's, here's what Hebrews 11 verse 1 says. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Let me say that again. Now faith, are you ready? Are you with me? Are you with me, Equipus and Eden? I'm nearly done. Five more minutes and I'm done. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Of things hoped for. Thing, faith is the substance, the weight, the thing that you carry around with you that lets you know what you hope for is actually going to come to pass. If you're not hoping for anything, then faith has got no work to do. NLT puts it like this. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. See, here's the thing about hope. If you don't have hope, then your faith doesn't work. My faith is only the reality, the substance of the things in my heart that I'm hoping for. If I'm not hoping for anything, what's faith got to do with it? If I'm not hoping for anything, don't call yourself a man or a woman of faith if you haven't got hope for anything. If you think life is always going to be just exactly as it is right now, you are not a person of faith, I'm sorry to tell you. You're a person of, rea- of kind of natural reality, but we're not called to be that. We're called to be people of faith. But if you don't hope for anything, your faith can't get to work on its behalf. Can I get an amen? So you've got you to hope. You've got to hope. One of, of our, our pastors in our church, I wonder if the musicians could come. One of the pastors in our church uh, has got a great story of, of his father coming to know the Lord. And um, so his father was elderly in years and had never followed Jesus. But um, uh, this guy uh, who Will and Desiree know well, uh, called Pastor Stuart Costa, come to the Lord. One day, he see his father come to the Lord. And here's what he used to do. He used to use his imagination to visualize it. He'd literally imagine the moment when his father would say yes to Jesus. God's given you an imagination for a reason. A a, a sanctified imagination is a God-given gift. And he would literally imagine it. He He would pray to God about his father getting saved. But he would imagine the moment when his dad would say yes to Jesus. That's called hope. And for years, he would see it. He would see it. He'd say, God, I see the moment. I see the moment when my dad came to faith. 
gets towards the end of his life. His life is fading. He goes to see his father. And there at the latter part of his life, he holds his dad's hand. And he says, Dad, do you know Jesus? And he said, no, I don't. And he said, would you like to meet Jesus? And he said, yes, I would. And there at his bedside, he led his father to the Lord. It was something that he had hoped for for many years. But his faith is what brought it into reality. Hope alone is not enough. You need hope and faith. But if you haven't got any hope, there's nothing for your faith to get to work on. So we've got to hope, amen. Uh, just at the start of this week, um, back home, we had a, a pretty exciting week. Uh, we launched Equipus College uh, for the UK. And um, for years, for years, I've been like, God, we, we, we want to have a training college here in the UK. And uh, for years, hope for it. Like, God, I can see it. I hope for it. Hope for it. Like, God, I can see it. See it happen. I can see it. I don't know how it's going to work, but I can see it. I can see it happening. And um, uh, Pastor Sam Monk and I had a phone call in November of last year, and we said, hey, we think now is the time to do it. And so at the time, we had no building, no teachers, no students. But we hope for it. We can see it. And you know, in the last year, it's just been completely amazing. The thing we hope for and carried faith in, first of all, God gives us building, uh, at the college, then a miracle building uh, is released to us, and I haven't got time to tell the story, but it's an amazing, amazing facility, and then somehow, by the grace of God, we have 15 full-time students starting for our first year of college. Now, here's the thing, I hope for it. It became substance that meant ultimately it presented itself. And I just really believe this morning that there's some people here and maybe there are things that you once I asked you, if I was to cut you open, what would spill out of you? Once upon a time, if I asked you, if I was to cut you open, what would spill out of your life? It was like, man, this is what I want to see. This is what I'm believing to happen. Believing for this person to be saved. Believing for this child to do this. I don't know what it might be. Believing, believing. And, and maybe just somewhere along the line, you've lost hope. Somewhere along the line, you've just started to feel like hope start to ebb away. But I want to tell you this morning that you're in the right place. This is a, and I wonder if you stand to your feet with me this morning. Stand to your feet with me this morning. I want you to close your eyes if you want to lift your hands, if you would. You might want to lift your hands just in a posture of worship. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, for a fresh impartation of hope. Dreams have gone down and dreams have been given away. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you just start to minister? I know you've been ministering all morning, but just right now in this moment, would you just touch people's hearts? Maybe you're here right now, you just feel emotional. You feel, you feel sensitive. That's just God. He's here. He wants to feel you afresh right now. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.